הרי מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שדרנו, לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר קדוש, שמשה בארץ הם המבחן לרבנו הקדוש. צדיק יסוד עולם נחל נובע מכוח חוכמה רבנו נחמן בן פגי בן שמחה נע נח נחמן נחמן מאומן זכותם תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן בעזרת השם Rabim, etc. Many rise up against me. Da, da, da. Ki kol echad lefi nishmaton ufi avodato, kachhi yesh lo yisurim. So each and every person, according to his soul, and according to his service of God, that is, uh, he experiences um, this suffering. Kachhi yesh lo yisurim. So according, equivalent to that much service, or according to the greatness of his soul, he gets suffering that is... Um, that is uh, applicable to um, the level of that soul or the level of that service. There are some people who have suffering from their sons, their children, their father, for example, or their neighbors. And there's a person who has greater suffering than this. He has suffering from further neighbors. There's even someone greater than this. And he has suffering from the entire city. There's the greatest, there's a very great person. And he has suffering from the entire world. That's clearly a reference to the tzaddik, etc. And each and every person, by virtue of his afflictions and his suffering, he carries on himself those people from who he suffers. He carries those people who are making him suffer on, his, on himself, on his shoulders. Because when he has suffering from them, he's actually carrying them upon him. But Rabbeinu asked the question, how is it possible if we see that if a person is suffering from the hands of other people um, and he's carrying all those people with making him suffer. So imagine the great, great person who's suffering from a tremendous amount of people, in fact, the entire world. How is it possible for someone physical to endure this amount, to carry this amount of people. Ah, however, Rabbanu tells us that through the sufferings that this person endures, his, his body is subjugated, completely almost subdued and nullified. Because all afflictions, suffering are called tzarot, troubles. Why? Because, why is suffering called tzarot, troubles? Because they, they distress a person, they oppress the body. And when the body is crushed through these troubles, through this the soul is able to radiate and it's enhanced. Because when matter is subjugated, when that which is material is subjugated, form is enhanced. What's the tzura, the form of a person? It's the neshama. A log which doesn't catch fire, which doesn't catch fire, is splintered. A body which doesn't catch the soul's fire, etc., etc., etc. Uh, we see over there this inyan of being splintered. <clears throat> and therefore, it is called tzara, suffering. Trouble, which comes from the same language as, or the same verbiage as tzura, form. 
Because through suffering, troubles of a person, the body is subjugated and the form is illuminated, meaning that a person's neshama is greatened. A person's soul is enhanced. We find that we see that by the person, by the fact that this person is suffering with afflictions and troubles, his form is enhanced, meaning his soul. And now the soul is able to carry upon it many, many different people because the soul is above this concept of physicality. And this is what it says in the verse: Hashem, O God, how many are my enemies? Meaning, what is David Amalek saying over there? Meaning, the more the great, the greater. The, the more numerous my enemies, Rabim um, Kamimalai, many rise up on me. Meaning what? Because through this, I'm actually able to carry and lift and elevate many of their people, many of the people, to their root. We see that when a person suffering greatly, uh, especially the tzaddik, and even all of us, according to where we're standing, but when we're suffering, we're able to carry the people from who we are suffering. And we're actually able to bring them closer to their source. Torah Kuf Ayin Aleph, Torah 171. It's brought down in Daniel chapter 12. Rabim uh, and many of those, of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, Yakitu will awake. Some to eternal life, and some to disgrace, and to eternal shame. Um, so, either this inyan of your being awakened from the dead for good, for eternal life, or for disgrace and for shame. So, let's see what Rabbanu explains about this inyan. When you awaken a new insight in serving God, until uh, something that wasn't known until now. Through this, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth awaken themselves. But some to eternal life and some to eternal shame and disgrace. Because we see um, <clears throat> brought down in Hosea chapter 14 that we see the tzaddikim walk with it and the reshaim stumble upon it. Meaning what? The tzaddikim walk with them, meaning with this new insight that a person um, attains in serving God, the tzaddikim are able to serve Hashem with this intellect. They're able to use this new insight and intellect to serve God. But the sinners stumble upon this new intellect, meaning what? They don't use this new intellect to serve God. With this intellect, they de- they denigrate and disgrace the entire world. Why? How do they denigrate and disgrace the world? Because they know of this in- new intellect, but the world doesn't know of it yet. So they brag to the entire world that they know of this intellect, but they don't even use it for good. And I, Rabbi Nathan is saying this, and I heard, when it says in the verse, to shame and eternal... Um, Eternal shame and disgrace. Hanu meaning to lecharef, to denigrate, to disgrace ulvazot, and to to um, disgrace uh, the world. Because these reshaim, these people, these wicked people, don't use this new intellect to serve Hashem. They only use it to disgrace 
and to vilify the world. Because they know of it, but the world doesn't know of it and is lacking of it. So they use that and um, they use it to their advantage, their wicked ways. This is an awesome lesson. So we must pay very close attention to this and a very big principle in 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 faith in Hashem and bitachon. All that which is a person, all uh, which is a person, uh, a person is lacking. Sorry, all that a person is lacking. Whether it's children or or livelihood or health. Actually, all of this is because of the person himself. Because the light of Hashem is constantly flowing downward. But a man through his evil actions creates a shadow and a shade over himself. That prevents the light of Hashem from reaching him. And according to a person's action, this is how you create the shade that prevents the light of Hashem from reaching you. And thus the lack which he experiences which he experiences the lack which he experiences is according with the deed through which the shadow was cast. Meaning that thing, let's say you're lacking panasa, is because you blemish in the ninyan of panasa and an idea of business and livelihood, and through that uh, blemish in business and livelihood that you didn't follow the Torah in that manner. You cast a shadow through that. Because if you are really good with regard to Panasa and, and, and everything of your business dealing was good with Emunah, etc., etc., you wouldn't necessarily have a lack in Panasa or you wouldn't feel the need to have more Panasa because Hashem's light would be flowing to you. And behold, this shade that we're talking about comes from something physical corporeal, that stands opposite something spiritual. Meaning what? Something ethereal. We're going to see what this means. We see that what? The materiality of a tree or a stone, um, etc. Um, the, the physicality of a tree or a stone that stands opposite the light of the moon and the sun creates shade, as we see. So we see that this physical thing creates a shade um, from the spiritual thing, which is what? Meaning our bad actions, which is because we've fallen into the material world, creates a shade preventing the light of Hashem, which is in comparison to this analogy, the moon and the sun, from reaching us. And uh, the same is true of uh, a solar or lunar eclipse, which only occurs because of the earth's shadow. And this, um, the same is true of the sun, the sun itself, according to that which is above it, meaning the sun too can be um, com- uh, this aspect of shade in comparison to the, the light which stems from above the sun. And we see the sun can sometimes be this gashmiut, this material thing, which creates shade. And therefore a person, according to how physical he is and his actions, he creates a shade over himself. That prevents from him, from reaching him, the light and the abundance of Hashem. But if a person nullifies himself and isn't part of this world at all, 
then he doesn't create a shade and he receives the light of Hashem. And what is the essential light of God we're talking about here? Is kavod, is honor. Because everything that God created, he created only for his honor, his glory. I created it for my glory. Meaning everything that God created was for His kavod, for His honor, His glory. And we see that the entire earth is filled with God's glory. Meaning if what? Um, so if God fills up the entire earth, which is only possible if the person isn't part of this world at all. Meaning what? If a person nullifies himself completely so that he's almost inexistent, then God can fill up the entire world. But if this person is physical, and creates space on this earth, then Hashem can't fill him up. He can fill everything else up, except for this person. So if this person becomes nothing and nullifies himself, so that God can literally fill up the space of the entire world, and that he can fill up his space too, because he doesn't really take up space at all, then what? He's able to receive the light of Hashem. Which is glory. And this is why it says in Mishle, chapter 3, that the wise men will inherit glory. Because why wisdom? Why is wisdom? Why is um, glory inherited by the wise? Because wisdom comes from this inyan in Eyov, in um, as we see in Eyov, that wisdom can be found from what's ayin? Nothingness. That wisdom stems from nothingness. Meaning, true wisdom stems from this humility we're talking about, this nullification. And what is wisdom? It's what allows us to inherit glory. So if a person is completely nullified, he has wisdom. And if he has wisdom, then he inherits God's glory, which means that he can constantly receive the shefa of Hashem, the light of Hashem, without obstructing that light. And he won't be lacking anything. And this is why the wise, the Talmidei Chachamim, or the wise men, who are completely nothing, this aspect of nothingness, they merit glory. Because they don't create this shade to obstruct this shefa. This abundance. They can't obstruct his abundance because they don't take up, they don't make any shade. Because they have no physicality or materialism with them. And when God displays a joyous countenance, is happy. It's a great, it's, um, it's, it's very good and it's, it brings life to the world. And on the opposite side, when God isn't in the most joyous countenance, God forbid, not very good. And the same is true of the tzaddik. When the tzaddik displays a joyous face, it's very good. And if not, what we just explained above. And this is why it says in the verse, in Parashat Re'eh, See that I've given before you today, life and good, etc. Death and bad, etc. Meaning, what is lifnechem? Lifnechem literally means to your faces. Meaning, to your faces. Meaning, what? Depending on the way the tzaddik is, his faces. Um, <clears throat> meaning, the, the countenance of the tzaddik or Hashem determines whether. Is life or good, life and good, or whether it's death and bad that comes down, etc., etc. Okay. Tuakuf Ainigimel. Al Yedeh Haktav Yachol Hatzadik Amen Akira Nefesh of Snimut and Nefesh Akotev. Through a person's handwriting, the Tzadik is the true Tzadik, 
is able to recognize the soul of this person who's writing and the inner aspects of the soul of this writer. And this person's faith and the root of his faith. So we see that he's able to recognize the handwriter's soul and inner soul and his faith and the root of his faith. Because there's an aspect of the root of faith that we just mentioned. What is the root of faith? Because faith itself has life force and vitality from, a, from its source. Meaning that there's a world of faith. And from that world of faith, the faith that we know is derived from there. And this world of faith also has faith in God. And this is the aspect of the root of emunah that we're mentioning, the root of faith. Which is the, what we call the pnimiyuta emunah, or the shoresh of the emunah. The inner aspect of emunah. And this is the inner aspect of the soul. Because the soul and faith are one aspect. Rabbanu is connecting both inyanim. How? My soul longed for you at night. Even it says, what, 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 what's the idea about the night? Why does my soul long for you at night? Why is the soul, why is the main time for the soul at night? Because what does night represent? That your emunah, your faith is at night. So we see that if the soul is longing at night, why? It's because at night is this concept of emunah, which means the soul and emunah are one idea because they both represent this concept of night. And through this handwriting of a person, the tzaddik is able to recognize the soul and the inner aspect of the soul. Which is what the inner aspect of emunah we're referencing. As is brought in the aspect, anochi, of I. What is anochi? The word which means I. Anochi is an acronym for the phrase. Um, meaning what? Ana nafshi, my soul, k'tavit is writing, yahavit is giving. Meaning that the writer is giving his soul within the handwriting. When the person's writing, he's actually manifesting his soul within the writing. And the tzaddik is able to determine. Also the inner aspect of the soul as well. Because it's brought in the Holy Zohar. It's brought in the Holy Zohar. Ani. That ani notarikon ana nafshi yehavit. That ani, sorry, that the acronym for the phrase ana nafshi yehavit is ani, meaning what? Ana nafshi yehavit. I am giving my soul. Take the first letters of that phrase. You have aleph, nun, yud, which is ani, I, meaning I, is my soul's giving. Dashchinta chitzoniut. Rabbanu tells us he brings down from the Zohar Kadosh. Dashchinta chitzoniut. This ana nafshi yehavit. My soul is giving which is Ani I, this is the outer uh, divine presence. Anochi, dashchinta pnimiut, this is the inner divine presence. So Ani is the outer divine presence. Anochi is the inner divine presence. So we see that the only difference between the words Ani and Anochi, which both mean I, but represent something differently, the only difference between them is the Chaf. And that Chaf determines whether it's the outer divine presence or the inner divine presence. So we see that if Anochi is the inner divine presence, we see that the letter Chaf hints to us this inner divine presence. And it's also brought in the writings of the Arizal. With regard to how the world enclosed themselves, how they 
they midlabesh in one another, how they how the upper world enclose themselves within the lower world, etc. That the keter, the sphira of keter, the divine attribute of of keter, which means God's crown, is the inner aspect of the soul. And we know that the letter Chaf represents Keter, as it's brought up above in lesson uh, 6 of Likute Moran. Rabbanu brings this in That the Chaf is Keter. So if Chaf is Keter, we said above that Chaf represents inner divine present. What is Rabbanu telling us? That the Shekhinah is the what? That the divine presence is the aspect of the soul, as is known. Because we said the Chaf is the Shekhinah, and we said the Chaf is the Keter, and the Keter being uh, is the inner aspect of the soul. We see that the, the Shekhinah is the soul. And this is a, a very beautiful understanding as to the lost princess, that actually, when we're searching for the lost princess, we're actually searching for our own soul. But that for that is for something, whenever a person reads the lost princess. Nimtza. So we find we see that through the handwriting of someone, which is the letter Chaf, we see if the handwriting reveals the soul, etc., and the Shekhinah, etc., then it must be the Chaf, because the Chaf is the soul and the Shekhinah, as we said above with Anochi. So when a person's handwriting, which is the letter Chaf, you're able to reveal and to make to make known this inner aspect of the soul, which is the inner aspect of emuna, the the inner the inner parts of faith, as we said above, adibu and speech. That when a person speaking with the true tzaddik, who is actually greater than handwriting, because handwriting is only a soul's functioning. And within this functioning of the soul, the tzaddik is able to understand the essence of this person's soul. Meaning, when a person is writing something, it's the way the soul functions. So the tzaddik can understand how the soul functions through the person's handwriting. But speech is actually a revelation of the soul itself. It's not the way the soul functions. It's the essence of the soul. My soul left as he spoke, meaning that through speech, the soul is able to emerge. When you speak, your soul is leaving you and a person who's able to recognize that and who's able to really delve into that deep understanding like the true tzaddik is able to understand the soul of a person when he speaks. The literal essence of the soul. And even though speech is not something literal, it's not something physical, you can't grasp speech. Speech is intangible. Because we're talking about a true the true tzaddik here, not a true tzaddik, the true tzaddik. That the speech is literally the, the essence of the soul itself. Therefore, the true tzaddik is able to see the substance of the soul. And we're going to finish off with Torah Kuf Ainhe. We have two more lessons. Torah 174. When judgments, God forbid, over, overcome and overpower a person, it is not on the one. Praying um, <clears throat> on his behalf to mention his his name, this sick person's name, or this person who has judgments on him. So, if a person's praying on someone's behalf, and the person he's praying for has lots of judgments on him, don't mention the person with uh, don't mention the person who has lots of judgments. Don't mention his name. So that the judgments don't become too strong. God forbid. And this is brought. 
in the Zohar, I believe. That Noah's father did not give him a name at the time of his birth. Because the world was at the time of strict judgment. Because, and this is why Noah's father did not want to give him a name. Because through a name, the accusers, the evil inclination and all his army are able to identify and discern this person. And through a person's name, the judgments can overcome and overpower a person. Now look at this sword Rabban was teaching us, a most awesome secret. And this is why when Moshe Rabbeinu prayed, Moshe Rabbeinu upon him be peace, Al-Miriam, when he prayed for Miriam, his sister, whenever she got um, Tzara'at, when she got this uh, leprosy, Lo Shema, he did not mention her name. He only mentioned this, El God, please, oh, heal her. God, please heal, uh, please heal her. As brother Bamidbar, you'd bet. So Rabbeinu is going to bring us in the most awesome idea. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu not say Miriam? God, please heal Miriam, my sister. Why did he say, please heal her? Because Moshe Rabbeinu understood that because the judgments were really strong on Miriam, because she was pushed away out of the camp, etc., all the things that happened, he did not want to mention her name explicitly. For the reason we mentioned above, because if he mentions her name explicitly, then all the evil forces can attack her even more. But nonetheless, Moshe Rabbeinu concealed her name within his prayer in the most awesome fashion. Because if you look at the words, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, God, please heal. What's Narefa, please heal? Has the numerical value of 332. Nun Aleph is 51. Refa is 281. 281 plus 51 is 332. Which has the same numerical value as what? Miriam Yocheved. Which has the same numerical value as Miriam. Moshe, who was, he was praying for. This is who he was praying for. His sister Miriam, who was sick. Or who had this, uh, this, Ill, uh, this, um, this leprosy. And Yocheved is the mother of Miriam. Moshe's mother. Miriam's mother. Mechuvan Mamash. It has the most awesome and literal intentions within this. Meaning what? When you usually pray for a person, what do you name? How do you pray? You name the sick person and his mother's name or her mother's name. So Moshe Rabbeinu within his prayer actually hid the secret of what? Miriam and Yocheved. Even though he didn't mention the name, the name was mentioned there by, uh, by secret. Because when a person prays for someone sick, you need to mention their name and the name of their mother. But Moshe did not want to mention it explicitly because he understood what we mentioned above, that um, if he were to mention it explicitly, he could cause the, the accusing forces to even put more judgments on her. It's the most awesome lesson. And the final lesson for today, Torah Kuf Rabbeinu tells us the essential awesomeness of crying. Whenever a person cries, the true awesomeness of crying and weeping is whenever it comes from joy and happiness. That the highest level of crying is, is what? From simcha and chedva. From joy and simcha. Even remorse and regret, it is very good, Rabbanu tells us, that it should be because of simcha. 
רבנו זה גם אקספיין, שמרוב שמחתו בהשם יתברך הוא מתחרה אותו מגן מאוד על שם הרב נגדו בעמים הראשונים. That because of this man's great and awesome joy within God, that he loves Hashem so much, and a simcha for being a part of God's nation, he regrets and he aches and he longs over the fact that he rebelled um, against God in his previous days. And he, he's awakened with this weeping because of this great simcha that he has because he's close to God. And because of that love that he has for Hashem, he's crying because he regrets over the past. But that regret is actually rooted in joy. This is the essential greatness of crying. That it should be because of, or it should be, um, yeah, because of joy. And this is why Rabbeinu tells us the word which means crying or weeping is an acronym for the phrase as it brought down in Tehilim chapter 89 in your name in God's name they shall rejoice all day long meaning what? meaning the essence of crying if you take the first letters of that phrase you have Bet, Yud, Chaf and Hey play it around you get crying, weeping meaning what? That the essence of crying, the best part of crying, should be because of the great joy that he has within the name of God. Because crying is awakened from the name of Hashem, which is expanded in the 63, um, uh, the 63 value name, which is if you take Yudke Vavke, as we've done many times in many previous lessons, the name Yudke Vavke, if you expand each and every letter, if you take each and every letter and you spell it out, how do you, how do you pronounce the letter? So for example, the first letter of Yud Kevavka is Yud. How do you pronounce Yud? You, have, you pronounce it Yod Vav Daled. So if you expand it in the expansion of Yod Vav Daled, then you have the He Yud. Then you have the Vav Aleph Vav. And then you have the He Yud. You get 63. And this 63 name of Hashem, this expansion of Hashem, when you spell out Yud Kevavke in th- that fashion that we just mentioned, is present within Bina. This Firah of Bina. This name of Hashem represents Bina. And this is why Bechia, this is why the, the word Bechia, crying, has a numerical value of this expansion of Sag. How? Because Bechia is, if you take the numerical value of Bechia, it's 37. And Sag is 63. So how does it add up? So if you take a look at it, if you take um, the expansion of Yod, K, Vav, K, and the way we did, we did it, of Yod, Vav, Dalet, Hey, Yud, and then you have Vav, Aleph, Vav, and then you have Hey, Yud, that's 63. But if you don't include the letters itself of Yod, K, Vav, K, so you take out the first Yud, you take out the first Hey, take out the Vav, and then you take out the Hey, uh, the first letters of each of those expansions, you have Vav Dalet, which is left. You have the Yud, which is next to the He. You have the Aleph Vav, which is next to the Vav. And then you have the Yud, which is next to the final He. So add up all those letters. You have Vav Dalet, which is 10. You have Yud, which is 10. You have Aleph Vav, which is 7. And then you have Yud, which is 10. 10 plus 7 plus 10 plus 10 is 37. So it's the hidden letters of Yud Ke Vav Ke. Um, the hidden letters of Yud Kevavke, which expand uh, to the numerical value, uh, the hidden letters of Yud Kevavke in this expansion of Sag, which uh, had the same numerical value as Bechia, which means crying. Thirty-seven. Meaning that the, 
that the awakening of crying should come from simcha. Ki bina, because we know that bina, liba, is the heart. Kemosh Katuva that it says, halev mevin, that the heart understands. So we see that this idea, that the heart is this aspect of bina, of understanding. What does the heart have to do with this? Rabbeinu tells us that the essence of joy comes from the heart. is present within the heart, as it says in the verse in Tehinim. You placed joy within my heart, David HaMelech writes. So we see that the true joy rests within the heart. And it's from there that a person needs to have an awakening of this crying. I mean, a person's arousal to cry should come from the heart, which is Simcha. And through this, the crying is sweetened. And understand as well, Rabbeinu tells us. May we cry from true Simcha and apply the words that Rabbeinu tells us in the most awesome lesson.